Welcome to Becoming a Sleep Consultant. I'm your host, Jane Havens, a certified sleep consultant and founder of both Snooze Fest by Jane Havens and Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. On this podcast, I'll be discussing the business side of sleep consulting. You'll have an insider's view on launching, growing, and even scaling a sleep consulting business. This is not a podcast about sleep training. This is a podcast about business building and entrepreneurship. Lauren is an advocate and therapist certified in perinatal mental health who specializes in life transitions affecting millennial and young women. With an approach grounded in empathy and emotional intelligence, Lauren counsels clients on romantic relationships, career choices, pregnancy and parenting, anxiety, and family dynamics. She offers cognitive behavioral and feminist-based psychotherapy to individuals and couples. A mother of two with over a decade of experience in the legal industry, Lauren also facilitates support groups for working, new, and aspiring parents and provides consulting and mental health coaching to support parents in corporate settings. She is passionate about building connections and giving back to her community. I should also note that Lauren is a recent graduate of the Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. Lauren, welcome to the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. I am very excited to be chatting with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast, love your work, so I'm so excited to be here. Before we get started, I would love for you to share a little bit about why you decided to add Certified Sleep Consultant to your resume, and what is it about sleep consulting that you felt fit within the work that you were already doing? Sure. So I am a mom and I have utilized the services of a sleep consultant when my kids were little. So I personally know the value of it. And professionally, I'm a licensed social worker certified in perinatal mental health. And I work a lot with postpartum parents, particularly mothers. And we've seen studies that show that up to one in five mothers can experience a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, which is and disorder such as postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, OCD, during the pregnancy period through one year postpartum. And one of the main resources for parents either at risk or in the throes of a PMAD, what we call perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, is sleep. So sleep is incredibly important to mental health. And it just fit very well with my services that I offer as a therapist, as a social worker. And it's personally and professionally very important to me to support parents in getting the sleep that they need by helping their kids learn how to get the sleep that they need. Yeah, it's all so important. And I love that you have recognized it as a mental health professional that like sleep is such a crucial component to mother's ability to thrive in those early months and like first year or so postpartum. I'm wondering, because you're a newly certified sleep consultant, have you thought about how you plan to integrate your new sort of title as certified sleep consultant into your work that you're already doing? Like, are you going to be a sleep consultant in the way that we think of sleep consultants? Or are you just going to use this knowledge to better support the women that you're already supporting? 
Great question. For now, it's it's already been the latter. I have several clients who are truly fresh uh, new moms. And even just this week, I had three women with whom I met, and they were talking about sleep training and getting the sleep that they needed and how to navigate divvying up the sleep and the night schedule with their partners. So all of the knowledge that I learned from the course and from working with you, I've already been providing it as part of our work together. Um, TBD as to whether I make it an independent offering. I am always, you know, happy to meet clients where they are and see what they need. So we'll see where it takes us. Okay. I love that. Uh, Because the podcast is all about the business side of sleep consulting, I wanted to discuss some of the mental and emotional challenges that we as moms or mompreneurs face as we head back to work and as we launch new businesses. Personally, one thing that I struggled with when I decided to launch my own sleep consulting business was my new identity. I was admitting to the world, or at least my network, that I wanted to start something new that I wasn't just going to be a stay-at-home mom anymore, but I was going to be a professional. And that felt really scary. I'm wondering why it feels so hard to do that. Why does it feel so hard to admit that you want something new and something different from what you have and and sort of sharing that with your network? It's It's just so overwhelming. Yeah, definitely can be. And there's no one reason women in general are conditioned to meet certain societal expectations. Um, You and I are recording during the week of International Women's Week. So I've been talking about this topic of identity a lot and promoting yourself as a woman who has an identity beyond parent or beyond professional or partner is so important to me. And that can be your identity as someone who's interested in sleep or starting their own business. And it's not necessarily that they're wearing their professional hat, but they're wearing their hat where they're embracing their creative side, something that is interesting to them, something that my mentor Eve Rodsky calls unicorn space. Um, It's really hard because, again, we're conditioned to kind of just keep our heads down and do what people expect. And also, we have limited time, right? Um, There are only so many hours in the day. And once you get the kids out to school and if you do work outside the home, you know, you're working. So it's like, how do you even have time to think about pursuing a hobby or a, a new business? It's really a lot. Um, And then, of course, putting yourself out there can be really challenging for people. But my biggest advice has always been to just take that first step. Don't wait for the perfect moment to start because there won't be one moment and that no one's judging you the way you're judging you. So go for it. Yeah. One thing that I really struggled with was sort of admitting both to myself and to my extended network, family, friends, you know. Facebook universe, whatever it is, um, admitting that I wanted something more than just like being the primary caregiver to my kids. It almost felt, and I've discussed this, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, it felt like I was saying that I didn't want to prioritize my children. It felt like I was giving up my 
identity of being like that stay at home mom that, you know, I, I was always, I was the mom that was the first in line in carpool. I had the snacks, I had them in cute outfits. And like, that was my identity. It was like caring for my kids and setting them up to be successful by meeting their every need in every moment. And then all of a sudden I was going to have this new work opportunity, this new business. And it felt like I was putting them second, which now I know I wasn't, but that's how it felt in the moment. Do you hear a lot of that? Is that I would imagine it's I'm not the only one that struggles with this. Definitely. I mean, I think you're a term that can encapsulate what you're describing is the mom guilt, right? Whether that's starting a new business or, you know, the your regular day job or even going out for dinner with friends and missing bedtime. And I, I push back on that because, you know, we don't often talk about dad guilt and that's for a reason. Again, it goes back to societal expectations of what moms, you know, should be doing. And I'm curious, Jane, to turn it on you. What was the reaction from your friends and family and community when you said, I, I'm interested in starting this new business opportunity? My community was incredibly supportive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I expected you'd say that. (laughs) I I imagine, right. I imagine you assumed that that would be the case. Uh, My my extended network was incredibly supportive. They rallied behind me. I would say that a large reason for why I have a successful business is because I have the support of my husband, my parents, my friends, my my friends of friends, I mean, people came out of the woodworks to hear about what I was doing. They were genuinely interested. And I think because sleep consulting is a service that so many parents need or would benefit from, everybody was so interested. Everybody was like, I want to hear more about this. This sounds amazing. I need help. How how can I work with you? Right. So uh, the excitement was definitely there. So you're right. This was something that was going on in my own mind. And, you know, it sort of leads me to my next, my next sort of objection that was going on in my own head was like, what are my friends going to think? That's what I was worried about is like, I don't know why I was embarrassed about that. Looking back on it, it seems silly, but at the time I was so worried about what my friends would think. And most of them were incredibly supportive and really proud of me. Of course, there's always a few people in your life that are going to be a little bit salty about something that has nothing to do with them. Right. But like, you can't, you can't do anything about that. Largely, I did have the support of my community. Right. And I I did expect that. And I'm super happy to hear that, of course. Um, I work with a lot of women on their self-confidence, on self-compassion when things are hard. You know, what would you tell a friend who's trying something new? Probably you'd be really supportive, even if you didn't know what it was all about, or even if you couldn't possibly understand, you know, how she's fitting it into her schedule, you would support her. So I encourage people to be their own biggest advocates, their own biggest fans, not their own biggest critics, which is often our default position. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I talk about a lot on this podcast, and I want to bring it up with you is imposter syndrome, Uh, the feeling that we are not smart enough, qualified enough, ready enough to get out there and do the work that we feel compelled and empowered to do. Uh, This is something that several years into my career, I still come up against. I don't know that it ever goes away. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on this or tools for how to overcome it, or is this just something that separates those who keep carrying on from those who don't? What, What are we supposed to do about these feelings? 
Sure. So my first piece of advice is to recognize them and don't beat yourself up for having them, but actually say, okay, I'm feeling, you know, a little bit insecure. And then you can kind of go about that insecurity in a couple of different ways. The first is say to yourself, is this a real, a reality? What is the evidence that I should be having this thought? Or is this in therapeutic terms, a cognitive distortion? And what you could do is literally write down the thought and then reframe it in not even a positive way, but a neutral way, right? Or then you could take it a step further with that self-compassion piece and say, what would my best friend say in response? Or my, you know, my mom, my, my spouse, whatever it is, someone who really believes in you. And then think of it that way. So it's a mindset shift. And practicing, you know, that that alternative interpretation really does change the way that you think about yourself. The second kind of thing, approach that I would recommend is reminding yourself that you care about this. In the therapy community, we often say that the most important factor in a therapeutic relationship or in therapy itself, is the relationship between the therapist and the client. It's not necessarily the therapist's, you know, background, education, clinical expertise. It's the relationship, whether they click with the client and then whether they care and genuinely will find the resources that they might need to supplement their knowledge in a particular area or refer out as needed or whatever it is. But if you care and you're showing up and you're putting in your best effort to meet the client where they are, then I think there's, you know, the sky's the limit. I love your suggestion of reframing it with the mindset of somebody that really cares about you and loves you and is cheering you on. That's going to be my major takeaway from this, because I think that that's, that's gold right there, right? Like when we don't believe in ourselves, I think about like the way I support my own children. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think about my 10 year old who might struggle with his math homework or my six year old who thinks that she can't brush her hair on her own or whatever it might be. And like, I know that they're capable of these things and the way that I support them. And it's sort of, it's just like sleep training. This is what I always tell my clients. Actually, I just had this conversation today with a mom, a three and a half year old who was struggling at bedtime, struggling in the middle of the night. And literally towards the end of our two weeks together, he started doing it on his own. And the reason he started doing it on his own is because his parents started believing in him, right? Like once his parents started believing that he was capable, he felt that. And he was like, okay, my parents believe I can do this. I believe I can do it too. And that's exactly what you're describing. And this is what we coach our clients through all the time. And then we need to practice that. I think in our own minds and in our own hearts. I love the idea of when I'm feeling insecure, I'm going to think about what my mom would say because she will cheer me on and she'll tell me I'm capable. And you're right that it's just a mindset shift. And it's also okay to start small and to try and then try again. Um, But, you know, we, we, I think we owe it to ourselves to be kinder to ourselves. Yeah, I love that. Um, I wanted to bring up sort of a a different topic, but I think it's still related. Uh, One thing that changed for me when I launched my business and and became a sleep consultant is the sort of shift in the balance of our household. Um, You know, at first I was wondering, like, is my spouse going to be supportive? He he proved to be very supportive. Um, You know, I, I even if I think back even further, like when I had this idea, 
Was I scared to even ask him like, Hey, I have this idea. I think I want to do this. Like, I remember actually being nervous to even bring it up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how was he going to respond? Was he going to be supportive? Was he going to understand my vision? And then also like how that changed our family dynamic. Because when I went from being a stay-at-home mom, that's primary role was to do everything for the house and for the kids. Once I started working, then there needed to be a little bit of a shift where we both shared in some of those responsibilities. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Again, I think some of it is a mindset issue where we need to just like change the way we think about things. But do you have any sort of tools or recommendations for how women who are in this position where they're wanting to maybe change their role professionally, but they're not sure how that's going to impact their their relationship with their spouse or their whole dynamic within their household? Sure. And Every household, every relationship is different. So I don't want to put a blanket statement out there of, you know, well, of course your spouse should be supportive and they should be, you know, that person cheering you on and the one that you think of. Because unfortunately, the reality is that's not always the case and there's sometimes work to be done. Um, But I do think that that is also something to aspire to because I do believe that a partner should be a true partner in in many senses of the word. Um, But any change is scary. And even if you have, you know, the most well-intentioned partner, it can still feel really nerve wracking, especially if it's a new business. Um, And that can change the dynamic in terms of income. Maybe you're spending money at the outset to make money. Maybe you're stepping away from your current job. Maybe you're stepping out of the role of, you know, doing pickup every day at school, whatever it might be. So I think certainly having some open conversations about what that might look like is important. But going back to the idea of taking it slow and small at the beginning, I think is really key because it's intimidating to say, you know, from now on, I'm never going to be available to do school drop off. I don't know if that's really what it even will look like. And that might be really jarring. So I would say, what's up for the week ahead? You know, can you do drop off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? We'll get a babysitter or dad can do it the other days, whatever it might be. Um, And so really collaborating, working as a partnership to navigate the next steps. Um, I remember when I launched my private practice, I am a former lawyer, always also a social worker, but I used to work in the legal industry, both as a lawyer and in a coach slash social worker type of role. And so I was in corporate America and I, for a variety of reasons, wanted to go out on my own and be an entrepreneur, which is something I never imagined for myself. I I really had no inkling that I would be doing that, Um, but I was super inspired, super passionate. And I remember this was when my husband was still working from home too during the pandemic. We were sharing an office and I looked at him and I said, I think I can really do this. And he said, go for it. And I hope that everyone has that kind of support. Looking back on your own sort of start in your entrepreneurial journey, do you think you had realistic expectations for your own success? Were you patient with yourself? Did you give yourself time to build? I think it's so normal and really natural for us to get into new lines of work, especially if we're working for ourselves and we just want to like snap our fingers and be successful, or we just want to have a snap our fingers and have a full book of business. Did you give yourself grace when you were getting started? 
I did. And I know that we're not on video, but I'm kind of laughing because I am not a patient person. Um, I run anxious. A lot of therapists do. Um, and that's why we get into the work, but I, you know, of course I said, oh, I'm ready for change, you know, please happen overnight. But I actually kept reminding myself, this will take time. This is a moment. This is the beginning. And while I was working towards building the income piece of it, I kept myself busy with things that were contributing to the business, but also things that I enjoyed doing, such as things like podcasts and, you know, writing articles and going to events. And not all of those are for everyone. And that's fine. But I knew that they were both filling my my cup emotionally because I was connecting with people. And that's what I like to do. Um, But also planting the seeds for future business. And that has proven to be true. And the year one compared to now year three, even of my, my own business has been incredible. Yeah. I always tell people that, that like, you have to enjoy Mm -hmm. the process. You have to, if you don't enjoy the process of building your business, it's going to be very difficult to land with a successful business at, I don't even want to say the end of the road because you and I both know there is no end. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but if you're not enjoying all of the business building pieces, it's very difficult to, to have success. I, I spend way more time building my business than I even do servicing individual clients. And mm-hmm. and so I think you have to really enjoy that piece because then when you finally land a client, that's like a tiny little sliver of the work that we do. And then it's back to more business building again. Right. And I don't want to speak for you, but I've seen you in action when it comes to building your business. And in my perception, you seem to be loving what you're doing. And, and that's amazing to see. And I think you're super authentic and you're very supportive, but also a very good teacher. And I really commend you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm always trying to find people to join the CPSM community that really true, really truly have that fire within them. Uh, I don't want somebody to enroll in the program just because they want to make a few extra bucks. Excuse me. I want somebody to enjoy enroll in the program because they enjoy the process. They want to grow as an entrepreneur. They want to grow as a support person, as a sleep consultant. And that like every single thing that they learn along the way is something that they're like scooping up and they love it and they love it. That, that to me is the perfect person to join our community. And that's, I try to model that because I really Mm -hmm. do truly live that myself. I'm constantly still learning. I take courses. I'm not done. I'm, I'm enrolled in two courses right now. And I read books and I read blogs and I listen to other Mm -hmm. podcasts. And it's a constant, constant effort to stay at, I don't even want to say like the top of my game, but just like at a place that keeps me moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're describing feeling both fulfilled, but also challenging yourself in a way that's comfortable for you, like meaning not stressing you out, but challenging. It's good to be challenged, right? You're you're learning and you're open-minded and you're saying yes to opportunities, which is what I always recommend as well. I have a friend, for example, not in the sleep consulting world, but she is an entrepreneur who was in a similar situation to what you were describing earlier of being a stay-at-home parent and kind of navigating her identity 
for what was next. And she launched this business that even she is still working on defining, but we talk all the time. That's okay. You don't need to define it. You don't need to put yourself in a box. She's performing. She's running classes. She's writing and and she's going. And that's awesome. And whatever your industry is, if you have a passion and a purpose, go for it. I love that. I think that, um, you know, making peace with the process is really crucial. Uh, we have the tendency, I think we're living in a world where we are, we're seeing on social media that people are sort of like having this rapid and immediate success, which I think is usually not accurate, right? It's, it's, what is it called when it's like fake on social media? I don't even have a term for that, but it's just, it's smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors right? Yeah. <laughs> it's smoke and mirrors. It's not, you know, I think people sometimes they'll look at me and they'll say, oh, she got lucky or she, she was successful right away. It's like, no, I worked very, very hard and mm-hmm. I kept going one foot in front of the other. I didn't give up. And I actually was having a terrible day yesterday, if it means anything to anybody. And then this morning, also terrible. And then this afternoon, like then, like right before I got on this podcast, I was thinking like, oh, I am in a horrible state of mind right now. And then two things right in a row happened that were like fabulous and brought me back up to life again. And, you know, I think that that is the emotional roller coaster that is entrepreneurship is that people will punch you down and beat you up and then something will happen and you get built back up and then you're on the top again. And you have to be able to sort of survive the lows so that you can see the highs again. And not everybody's cut out for it. And every every single time I'm down in that bottom pit, like I always feel like I'm never going to come out of it again. And then, and then you do. And, and I think ultimately it makes you stronger. So you have to be willing to survive those difficult moments to keep going. And I think that that's ultimately what separates people who achieve success from people who achieve less success. You know, if you can handle the tough moments and get over, get over those beat downs, <laughs> then, right. then you come back up. Right. I, I agree. And also if you're struggling with doing that, there are tools that you can implement, notably the support and community that you can find and definitely should seek out, especially if you're, you know, a solo entrepreneur, because that can be very lonely, but it need not be. And I would say it should not be. I know that you mentioned social media, and it is so easy. Of course, we all do it to compare ourselves, right? But like you said, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. A lot of it, you know, people aren't posting their struggles or their bad days or the, the you know, work that they're doing on spreadsheets or whatever behind the scenes. Um, and that's okay. Take it for what it is and reach out for support. Remember that everything is temporary. We're all going to have bad days, bad moments sometimes because we're human beings and it's okay to sit with that. And it's also okay to ask for help to get out of that. And it's wonderful to learn from people who have had success. And I am a huge advocate for women supporting women. It's incredibly important, even if they're in a similar or the same field, because we are stronger and more successful together. I completely agree. And you and I, you know, we could preach to each other's choir all day long on this. I think that that is really 
the magic of Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. We have all of these people inside of our program that are all doing, I don't want to say the exact same thing, but mm -hmm. like a very similar thing and, and supporting one another at the highest level. And I do think that that is ultimately what leads to uh, more sort of sustainability in your business. It's very easy to um, take a back seat if you don't have anybody asking you how you're doing. And so I, I personally like to always check in with everybody as much, you know, I'm checking in every week and, and every month we do weekly sort of like brag threads and monthly accountability mm -hmm. threads. I think when, when people are checking in on you, that really positions you to keep going. And, and if you feel like nobody's paying attention and nobody's noticing that you're struggling, that can be really, really hard. And I have to work to then find my own community because mm -hmm. I'm always supporting, you know, I'm busy supporting everybody else. I need to find some people that can support me too. We all deserve that type of that support in business. Um, so it's really refreshing to talk to you today. I feel like I had a little therapy session. I hope your session. day is better now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I had a little therapy session. So I'm very grateful. Uh, before we wrap up, where can everybody learn more about you? Uh, do you want to share your website, social media, whatever you'd like to share? Sure. My website is latcounseling.com. And I am on Instagram as the counselor spelled L-A-U-R. And I love chatting with people. I am in New York where I provide therapy, but I provide coaching and consulting around sleep, of course, and around working parenthood, gender equity, the mental load um, to everyone everywhere. So reach out for support. Thank you, Lauren. Great chatting with you today. Me too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you would rate, review, and subscribe. When you rate, review, and subscribe, this helps the podcast reach a greater audience. I am so grateful for your support. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a certified sleep consultant, head over to my Facebook group, Becoming a Sleep Consultant, or to my website, thecpsm.com. Thanks so much. And I hope you will tune in for the next episode.